and welcome to another edition of Trawler Talk, the podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, the long-range cruising authority. I'm your host, Jeff Moser. Hey, this is Jeff Moser, Editor-in-Chief of Passage Maker Magazine, and I'm here with Chris Dixon, Senior Editor of Power Modiat, and uh, we're back about three or four weeks now from our long South Africa trip. Chris, what do you think? I think it was one hell of an adventure. I'm still kind of processing the whole thing and buzzing over it. It was really a just tremendous opportunity to get to go out there with you and the and the crew from from Leopard and Robertson Kane. And it was just a superlative trip. So hopefully that's going to be reflected in our photography and the videos that we've shot, and then also in the articles that that you and I produce for Power Motor Yacht and Passage Maker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it can't be. I mean, when once we landed there in Cape Town after that long flight, it's just the most stunning of backdrops. Um, and it was re- it'll be definitely reflected in photography. And I just I couldn't stop this vista after vista after vista when we drove around, around you know, the Cape and around some of the beaches there, Table Bay and, you know, Nordhook, mm-hmm. Cape and then the Cape of Good Hope Nat- Nature Reserve. We started to go into that a little bit. But really, that was just the first day. I mean, we've had. A bunch more time there and as you said robertson and kane builder of leopard catamarans had us down there for a press junket for their new 40. that was a whole thing in itself getting to drive their boats in what we're calling you know what is known as the cape of storms as well and and to see their facilities was just was just fascinating it's a town that's kind of made for I think extremes, you know, adventures yeah. and and geopolitics and mm-hmm. poverty and wealth and everything. Yeah. You know, it, it's just it, and it's also very cosmopolitan, you know, remarkably cosmopolitan for being down there at the bottom of the world like that. You know, yeah, everything's got to get there, but you know, there's so much stuff produced right there in South Africa and the neighboring countries. But uh, yeah. it's interesting you said that it is the extreme and. One of the biggest extremes there, obviously, is the weather. You called it the Cape of Storms. and No doubt. We just, weather just, I mean, this was the beginning of summer for them. We were there the week before summer officially started on the calendar. Right. And we saw all types of weather extremes and from massive hailstorms to just 40 knot winds, big seas. And we were out almost every time we we're on the water. Mm-hmm. But you could see why Robertson, I mean, Robertson and Kane, I don't know why they chose... South Africa, they just from there to build the boats, the workforce is there, and they have six facilities. I mean, these boats go all over the world for sun sail and for moorings, yep. but I mean, if they're they're on those seas, they're gonna they're proven vessels. I mean, they're they're you know, they they were telling us one of the guys in one of the marinas there was saying to me, Oh yeah, it's a calm day, you know. And I'm looking, it's like, you know, four foot seas, 20, 25 yeah. knot. I'm like, this is the this is the norm. This is the norm for sailing and for cruising in South Africa. Exactly. And and the you know that's you have this this combination of of the Atlantic to the west um the Indian Ocean to the to the south they converge the Indian Ocean is warmer than the Atlantic um you have lots of localized weather systems like you'd find in California and then you also have these massive you know, fronts and storms that come from the roaring 40s, um, particularly in the wintertime. And it was funny because I, I I mentioned this in my article too, like, you know, the first time that we went out on, if I'm not mistaken, the 46 to Robin Island, the the sea conditions ended up speaking directly to what you're talking about, how sturdy leopard boats appear to be built. You know, I mean, we were, we, we motored out into a, what, 15 plus knot, 
15 to 20 knot headwind, three, four feet of straight on chop boat just cut right through it. Then when we cleared the Lee Cape town, sort of Southern peninsula, then all of a sudden, you know, there's a five foot groundswell, you know, this big, big fat, you know, wide groundswell running counter to the windswell. So the boat is, you know, the boat is having to, you know, almost instant instantaneously deal with pretty challenging seas. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't hear a rattle, you know, above or below decks. I mean, yeah, the ride got kind of wet and, and, but I mean, the, 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 the boat was just super solid, which was also shown later in the, in the factory tour as well, you know, and, and I mean, we can get into the storms, later that we saw but they were they were something else for yeah. sure you know yeah none of the i didn't really see none of the sneezing that you might attribute to catamarans where you have these really wet ride because mm -hmm. the water is just blasting through those pontoons but and that was the one we were on in table bay that first day that was a 464 and that was the yeah. boat that's built for for the moorings and for sunsail and you know those boats are going to get i don't know how many charters a year but people are, you know, it's, it's people and families and you're, it's not yours. It's like, what do you do with a rental car? I mean, you kind of bang it around a little bit. So they've got to be built to withstand armies of people and their stuff an and their bags sure. and, and their, their cooking and the mess they're making and the, you know, people that don't know how to really run boats and, and take, it's not theirs to take care of. So they, you mm -hmm. know, not like, it's not like they treat it like a rented mule, but it's, they take up beating and we toured um, four of six facilities and including their sort of head design office. And I came away impressed. I, I don't yeah. know about you. I mean, just um, I could talk briefly about. Um, so the six facilities in South Africa, um, they do. And I was surprised about this. They still 60 percent of the boats they build are sailboats. And 40 yeah, percent of the that boats. too. Uh -huh. It's the way you know, sailing has this sort of powerboating has been kind of taken over there. But. And they've got three three power, 40, the 40 that's coming, we'll see in Miami, the 46, the 50, uh, a 42, a 45, and a 50-foot sailboat. And those are all mm -hmm. built at different facilities. And one of the, you know, we saw the vacuum infusion, which was super cool. We saw the, the joinery shop and everything's sort of done on site. But I think the biggest thing that came out to me was several, almost every one of these facilities, every four and a half to five days, boat's done it's off the line it's um yeah. excuse me five days yeah i was tripping on that too i think the most the the busiest facility we saw was for was it the 45 sailboat was was that the size of it jeff um, yeah the 45 cell was the bolt street facility which we thought which had the pool and uh yeah. that yeah and so, it, yeah. you know they so that yeah every four and a half days and then and and they had you know a, a, it's just remarkable to see boats being built to that kind of scale as well i think you would agree you know i mean the ballet that has to be done in those facilities in terms of okay say they've got 20 boats under the roof that are in various stages of being built. Not only do they have to have very specific timetables for each step because there's different stations. The boat goes to a first station, a second station, a third station, and each of those stations has has a set of jobs that they do. Whether it's mm -hmm. a, you know attaching bulkheads or doing electronics or um, you know just the myriad of other things that that have to be done to the boat. Those have to be each station has to have a certain number of jobs that's done 
before it moves to the next one. And, and it has to be timed so that, you know, you're done at one station when the next station's done, the next station's done, the next station's done. So the, so the boats can, can move down on these big rails. I mean, you're talking about 30 plus thousand pound boat that is, is moved on, on, mm-hmm. on rails through this, through this facility. And then like, like you said, it ends up in a pool where they test, where they test, uh, everything for leaks you know yeah, engines and, and you start the engines and uh yeah you, mm-hmm. uh, I, you can't you look down the line at station five and you're in station six you're like dude you're holding me up let's go so it's it is a delicate ballet but as we saw at that Voltry facility and other facilities they have trainees working alongside you know long-time mm-hmm. journeyman people and the Voltry facility i love because they they all every all of them were professional but they had music going they just seemed happy. They just seemed like they were into their job and loving it. And just everyone was sort of on the same team there. Like, this is our job. This is our, you know, this just represents us. So it just really had a great vibe to it. You know, it wasn't like we were some big obtrusive presence in there that their attitudes are going to, you know, have to shift or whatever, because they see this entourage coming in. No, we just Mm kind of, you know, walked in almost under the radar um, with Rosinda um, who yeah. was the awesome line manager for that shop. And, yeah. and, and she just took us through and, and yeah, every station had its own music going, whether it was, you know, reggae, whether it was, you know, um, South African rapper, whether it was, I think I heard Smokey Robinson at one station. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was the other thing that, that struck me was the number of, well, one was, yeah, the, the, just the general, vibe of the place i you know mm-hmm. i did not did i mean you know any place is going to have workplace dramas but it seemed overall like all those facilities you know people felt like they're they're working towards a common goal and they mm-hmm. and they you know generally seemed to be enjoying what they were doing and were smiling and shooting the sh with each other and yeah you know it was that was cool and then the other thing to me that was that was interesting was just the number of safety and environmental and construction protocols you know that they're following while they're doing all this work too i mean it's it's and that might be a good segue to talk about this sort of design spiral that they described to us about how they how they build their boats yeah, you know, so you know. one other one other thing about the facilities. Remember, they, we said there's six spread throughout Cape Town. Mm-hmm. None of them, none of them are have water access. So right. these boats, every five days, there's a oversized load tractor trailer at three in the morning taking a route to their finishing yard, which was at one of the marinas. Um, yeah, I forget what the name of the marina was. I think it might have been um, the Royal the Royal Cape Yacht Club or the one that was yeah, next that to was right Cape. over by there. Right yeah. So, but, and then, you know, there is, you know, if it's a sailboat, they attach the <clears> mast <throat> there. They, they do other things there. So there's a lot of work being done on, on the water. And then another second thing that I thought about, these boats go all over the world, Australia, Europe, the, a lot of them go to the BVIs. There's a huge charter yacht there. So all of these boats have different power needs. Yep. I, I'm not talking power, talking like, you know, voltage, right? So it's just a 20, 120, right? Exactly. Keeping track of all of that, keeping, tr- you know, th- it's a lot, you know, it, something can be lost, you know? So, and then they get, and then after that, it's three different, you know, you got an India a trip that's a container ship that's going to, uh, with um, room on board that's going to the Indian Ocean. One is going to Australia, one is going to America or the BBI. So mm-hmm. there's this Tahiti. Tahiti, yeah. I mean, yeah. so, 
And they build, um, I think they said they, they were on track for last year to build about 182 boats. And this year for 23, they want to do about 215. So, yeah, so we're talking about a boat almost every business, you know, close to every business day leaving yeah. Robertson and Kane. It's, it's, yeah. and, and the, you know, not small boats leaving Robertson mm -hmm. and Kane. It was, no. it was really a trip. Yeah. And, and to get back to that design spiral, um, well, every, they did this, they had this an, an acronym. So it was, uh, it was CATS, connectivity, autonomy, thrust technology, and sustainability. That sort of drives them. Right. So every boat sort of, that's the, that's the start like that. They look at these things. Those, those are sort of the, um, the cornerstones of their design. And then say, mm -hmm. take the, take the, um, we are looking at the design for the 40 and all the leopards have the, the boat name on, on the, the, the hull sides. And it said 38. You're like, wait, this is a 40. So right. one of us, one of us asked, Oh, what's going on with that? They said, well, it was going to be a 38, but then we decided we needed to, we needed more room to do things. We needed more room for, well, whether it was here or there, an inch here, seven inches there. So they, added two feet to the boat, became the 40, and that really took up the midsection of the boat. So this design process is very hands-on. They build a full mock-up and they walk around and if they need Out more room, they make it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, the the you I couldn't be more impressed with the facilities and just the organization it takes to get these boats to where they need to go to their final destination. Yeah. Agreed. But, and yeah. Um and yeah, to kind of to that point as well, you know, the the I guess the way that they looked at it with this, you know, spiral of design is it as you spiral in closer, the spiral gets tighter and then you mm -hmm. just get, you know, you're, you're going from a general idea of a 38 foot boat. And then by the time that spiral is all the way down, you have every little detail specked out for a 40 foot boat. What the, you know, I mean, just the, the number of elements that, that are on that list, you know, I mean, how the bulkheads are going to be fitted, their size down to the you know millimeter, the doors, the the railings, just everything is is all coming in as you're getting closer and closer to that final thing. And then the mm -hmm. other point that they made was when so in that office it was Bolt, right? That had the um which was the facility that we went into that had the actual engineering office. Do you remember? That was the I don't remember which one that was. That was not Bolt. Was the that wasn't Bolt or it wasn't Hoist. It was one of the other ones. Yeah. They all named after the streets they're on. I just don't recall right, exactly. exactly what that one was. That was might have been the first one we visited, and I, I still was. might have been I might have been experiencing uh, jet lag. So let's let's call I that definitely it. Was. Let's call it jet lag because the engineers are right there. You know, yeah. if there's an issue with it that they come upon during construction. Um, they can consult the, the the builders can consult with the engineers immediately and get it sorted out. So there's even even after the boat is designed and even once it begins construction, there's mm -hmm. there's constant back and forth with mm -hmm. with engineering as mm -hmm. it's going along. And then the other the yeah. other point that I found really interesting was in terms of their production schedule. Now they have six boats in their roster with the 40 that's coming out that we'll see in Miami and we will preview mm -hmm. for you. So six boats, six years. Right. So every every, you know, sixth year when a boat is when a boat design is six years old, they're going to move to a different boat. So whichever boat is aged out at, at, at six years time is going to have a replacement. So they're not only building, you know, boats at six different facilities each year. They're going to have a new boat to replace 
a boat that is aging out of the fleet, whose design yeah. is aging out of the fleet. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing, I'll just leave, I keep saying the other thing, but there was so much to take in. Um, you think? <laughs> the, the, the 40, for example, you know, was one of the things, you remember we had this conversation about solar and, uh, yeah. and electric power and that sort of thing. So they're, with each of these boats, they're incrementally moving into you know proven new technology directions yeah. that, that that work in a in a mass produced boat and so i think they've got now like gosh i can't remember it wasn't two thousand watts of power was it on the 40 but it was a lot yeah and, you know in terms of solar and and you know what they can run and that sort of thing that they're they're incre incrementally moving away from you know some of the established tech but making sure that it's proven before they make the jump yeah, they got to introduce it in a way that their customers will accept, right? You know, because yeah. we're, there's other, you know, lithium ion technology. They, they've they had digital switching for a couple of years now. And with solar, which is going to run the house loads, I mean, at some point, the solar plus lithium ion technology is going to, there are going to be no more gensets on these boats. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to, you're going to be sitting at anchor and it's going to be, all you're going to hear is your, your companions and maybe the water lapping on the side of the hull. And that, mm -hmm. that's a great place to get to. And I'm for excited sure. for that for, for sure. And um, we'll see what, what um, Leopard brings down the road because there's another model coming after this. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, Which is fun for us too. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I mean, but let's let's talk about the trip a little bit because, I mean, South Africa is um, nearly 10,000 miles or so almost away from where we're both sitting right now. And yep. um, it is truly another world. One thing you mentioned in the conversation we had earlier was we were we had driven to a game reserve and we'll talk about that. But coming over a mountain pass, you know, here in the states you see signs for oh elk crossing or you know some places up north you'll see moose or you'll see deer or something. The sign that says leopards, just like oh leopards, okay. It's just right. So a, if I go get off the highway here and take a hike, you know, not only am I going to be potentially and baboons was the other one. You know, yeah. baboons are, are dangerous. You know, signs that said baboons are dangerous. And do I mean, not feed them. Yeah, do not feed them. Yeah. And and so, I mean, we're driving down the road. We didn't see any leopards, but mm -hmm. we did see troops of baboons walking down yeah. the side of the road. And I mean, baboons are not to be messed with. So if, you know, you want to go for a nice day hike, you know, your your calculation is different in South Africa if you're, if you know, just yeah. for, for simple adventures like that. And that, yeah. But yeah, that really brought home to me, like we're not in Kansas anymore. No, and then learning that, you know, we're on a game reserve and the game reserve is basically, for people that don't know what it is, it's basically like a giant farm, essentially, that's fenced in and the animals are brought in and they do breeding programs. Mm -hmm. The one we were on was for cheetah. We didn't get to see the cheetah because we had a crazy storm that came in, but. That was the Inverdorn, I-N-V-E-R-D-O-O-R-N game reserve. Mm -hmm. Beautiful place if you guys want to um, look yeah. it up. So go Setting ahead, place, great staff. But um, another thing that brought it home was, yeah, obviously we're looking at all these giant animals and there was, we saw the, the one line, there was two and they're going to have more, but because it is a game reserve, they have to get these animals. They're not just wild. But the other lion that was told was killed by a king cobra, king cobra bite. So yep. th these things are happening out there. But I mean, just coming over it was enough just to tour Cape Town from Table Bay to Hout Bay to the Cape to the um, Cape of Good Hope Nature Reserve, mm -hmm. over to see the penguins at Simon's Town, sitting in sitting in uh, Nordhook, and it felt like I was sitting in you know, a, like somewhere in Marin County, basically, with just yeah, 
the vibrancy of this place we're at, it was just incredible. But going over the mountains and coming into the vineyards where, you know, South African wine is very famous and all over the world. It's just such a stunning, stunning country. And we had um, Peter O'Hanlon and Rob Kamhoot. Those were our Kamhoots. Those were our, I call them our fixers, but. Fixers is perfect. These guys were much more than fixers. They were just incredible people. And of course, uh, we had Steve from, um, and, uh, Steve Long. and Christina straight from um, yep. Leopard here in the States that helped us out. So, you know, special thanks to them for helping us arrange this trip. But um, I mean, one of my, mo- I'm going to say one of my most memorable things, and I'll let you tell it because we're uh, running out of time here. We don't want this to go too long, but um, one of the most memorable things I-, I thought just was not in the scenery and seeing everything is we went to, um, we're at Hout Bay or at Hout Bay Beach and just. It was a really, really windy day. And there was, yeah. I don't know, a couple of a dozen kids swimming in the water. There was a live band playing. And I was standing, watching the band playing, watching the kids swimming and looking at the backdrop. You could see Table Bay and it was all this wind and these verdant hills. And it just, I don't know, it just felt like, you know, okay, I'm in Africa. Like this is, yeah. this is like, I'm in a in another world. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the you know, the upside down of where I came from. And let's just, just take this in. Don't, I know, put the, do not have to film this, you know, take photos, just use your eyes as shutters and just take this in. That's a, that's a really, I I think that's a great way to, to, to consider and observe it. You know, we went into, I was with, you guys were with Peter and we were with uh, Steve Long and I from Leopard were with Rob and we went, a little farther into the national park than, mm-hmm. than I think you guys did. We went out to one of uh, Rob's favorite surfing beaches and the isolation that you can get within an hour of Cape town, frankly, along the coast was just, I couldn't believe it. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. We ended up at this beach. You could see no people as far as your eyes could see. There were Springbok, which are South Africa's um, sort of uh mascot. It's like a uh, white-tailed deer here, basically. Yeah, they're the white-tailed deer there, and they can they can jump up like six feet straight in the air. That's why the that's why the name has spring in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean the dunes, these towering dunes, this blue water, just these mm-hmm. yeah these perfect waves. And then the penguins, like you said, these these endangered um, South African penguins on this beach called Boulders Beach in Simonstown. You know, it was it was sensory overload. And then the just the drive um, out there was was incredible, and and Rob and Peter are both just super accomplished watermen in every way that you could want, you know. Yeah. And, and Peter showed that. You know, Peter works for South Africa's volunteer, basically have a volunteer coast guard, mm-hmm. and he was called on, you know, when we got to Inverdorn and the storms were so bad that people were actually stuck and stranded and he was able to organize helicopters to come and get them. You know, fortunately we didn't have it that bad where we were. I mean, there was some significant flooding and then, but, but we made it out. Okay. After almost submerging our cars. Um, But that was a point too, just about, you know, the unpredictability of South Africa, you know, the storms that we saw were very uncharacteristic. Um, for the summertime down there. And mm-hmm. at one point, was it Baines, Bainscloth Pass? Um, yeah, that was and, the one we came and, back, yeah. Yeah, we were getting chased both in Inverdorn the day before. You know, we, we had these just walls of storms come at us. And 
gust fronts and and that sort of thing. But the one that came over the the pass was it looked like a tsunami overtaking the mountains. And it was funny because Peter is a pretty cool cat. And we were in the car with him. And at first I was like, man, is this unusual? And he's like, oh, you know, we get some pretty big storms from time to time. And, yeah. and then when we get down to the bottom of the mountain after just outrunning the storm and hail is just pummeling the car. Mm -hmm. He's like, yes, this is kind of extraordinary, you know, yeah. I mean, even, even for Peter. So, you know, it was the, the, and they've had some significant issues with, with storms down there, mm -hmm. um, off season and flooding and that sort of thing in the last year. So, you know, whatever your view of how it's happening, the climate is definitely changing down in South Africa. And, and we were there to directly experience mm -hmm. it. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, and I, we're getting kind of close to our time, but you got any final final thoughts and then I'll share my last little ad adventure. Uh, yeah. Um, they're, you know, the way these guys and this, their teams can build these boats and at the capacity they are doing and with, um, you know, South Africa right now has load shedding twice a day. So the power goes out. I mean, mo facilities will most likely have, you know, diesel generator power, but there's everything going against them. Like the, the country's having some problems with this government right now. Uh, it's not running things effectively, mm -hmm. to say the least. Um, they have load shedding twice a day. So, you know, you're you're affected at home, you're affected at your workplace, you're affected getting to your workplace, but yet they're they're figuring out a way to do it, you know? Yep. I and um, I feel like what you said earlier, it does feel like a very, it's a city of courts, I guess. There's a million things happening and it's very cosmopolitan and very beautiful. And there's all types of folks there and, I would love to, I would go back. I mean, that would be without a doubt. I would go back in a second. And then um, I'm interested to say what, what you're going to, what you're going to say. Cause I know you did um, some surfing when you were there. That was, must've been the high, high point for you. It was awesome. We went to a beach uh, just, just in from Simon's town and I'm spacing on the name of it. Do you remember? I can look it up real quick. The beach you're at? Uh, yeah. The beach that we were at, uh, Musenberg beach or okay. Meisenberg beach. And the waves were just beautiful. The water was crystal blue. The mm -hmm. sand was blinding white. There's these old near turn of the century, I think, wooden beach huts that are all multicolored right oh, along the wow. beach that were built, you know, for, for tourists, you know, back in the day that they're restoring. And Miesenberg was just a cool, it, it reminded me of a cross between like Montauk, Biarritz, France, um, Laguna Beach, and uh, New Key Cornwall. It just had all these different elements and yeah. beautiful waves coming in. And Rob was was gracious enough to take me out to go surf. Uh, really fun, like chest high, just perfect groundswell. The wind was offshore. The weather was perfect. And we're out there surfing for a while. And then I start noticing schools of bait fish, you know, big, yeah. big schools of, of bait fish just coursing through the water. I thought I saw mm -hmm. a few sea lions in there. And, and of course, white sharks are an issue in South Africa. There have been orcas eating the livers out of the white sharks. So there aren't as many, um, yeah. which is another crazy story. But I'm out there near the time that we're about to leave. And I see a sea lion out in the distance or, you know, pretty sure I do in a paddle. I'm paddling for a wave and the sea lion comes up in the, in the face of the wave. And I see it's missing its lower half. And, uh, and oh. so I, fortunately there was a wave coming and I paddled in and, and that was it. And I don't know what did it. Um, there's lots of toothy creatures there, but that was, you know, that was an encapsulation right there of how wild South Africa is, you know, yeah, it was those, just, it was amazing. 
those Cape Fur seals are everywhere and they're yep. probably got they're probably relaxing a little bit now that port and starboard the resident orcas are you know yeah, that's right. basically port eating the livers out of the uh great white sharks and letting them die and there's less great whites in table bay but but the orcas wow. will eat the seals too too you yeah know? they'll they'll eat the seals so who knows what happened poor thing but um you're in the food chain when you're in the water in south africa and you're in the food Definitely. chain when you're hiking or anything but what a trip <laughs> um Stay tuned, you know, here, powermodiot.com, passagemaker.com. We're going to be covering our trips to South Africa, our trips to the Leopard and Robertson and Kane facilities, the new Leopard 40, and much, much more. So, Chris, I will be seeing you in a few weeks in Miami. So enjoy your time, and I'll talk to you soon. See you guys on the water. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care now. Thank you for listening to Trawler Talk, the podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, a long-range cruising authority. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and go ahead and click that five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. And if you're not a subscriber to Passage Maker, it's easier than ever to get our magazine delivered to wherever you lay your head. Just go to passagemaker.com slash subscribe. This episode of Trawler Talk features post-production from Nate Gruca at Active Interest Media. For Passage Maker Magazine, this is Editor-in-Chief Jeff Moser. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, fair winds and safe travels. <laughs>